Okay, so you have a new book out. Tell everyone about it. Yes, uh, the new book is called Let the Wild Grasses Grow. It's inspired by my grandma and grandpa Cordova, Della Chavez and, and John Cordova, and it's kind of a look at what would happen to them if I, if these two favorite people in my life lived, well, they did live during the 1920s, but what, what could I envision happen to them throughout that time? You can pick it up at toryhousepress.org or anywhere else that you buy your books, preferably independent bookstores. Thanks. So, um, yeah, so we'll get started. Like I said on the phone, like I really don't, like I stopped having a script last year. Before that, I would script things. I would send questions beforehand and all that stuff. But I've just loved the interviews so much better in the last year than previously um, because we just have a conversation. We're just going to talk. Like I said, the last one we did with Craig Lancaster, we did, we talked about that that AI writing software for about, 25 out of the 40 minutes. That's my fault. I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, just, just, just don't ask me about it. Okay. No, I won't. No, no, we'll ask. Well, maybe I will. And we'll just start there. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> so I'll do our drop in and then we'll get started. This is Case Johnston. This is the Literally Podcast. Today we're podcasting from Banyan One in the, and the Monarch on Historic 25th Street in Ogden, Utah. Today our guest is Kat Wilder author of Desert Chrome, Water, a Woman, and Wild Horses in the West. Uh, this book has had a lot of acclaim, including uh, the Colorado Book Award for nonfiction and many other notable mentions. Um, welcome today to Kat. She's going to start us with a reading, and then I have one really specific question, and then we're just going to we're just going to chat about writing and, and the West and whatever we want to do. So uh, go ahead. Okay. Thank you. Thank you both for... for um inviting me and you know helping me figure out how to do this <laughs> or helping me help you figure out yeah, you, yeah, help, yeah. you helped yeah. us <laughs> okay so desert chrome there whoops that's the back of it that's the front um this is from the prologue last drink i lead my grulia mare savannah to water she is the gray of a mule deer's winter coat with the dorsal stripe and zebra markings on her legs that trace back to the original wild horses, though she is quarter horse, not Mustang. The Mustang follows. It is his first time here to the pinyon, pine, and juniper woodland that defines my desert home. We walk down the rocky path and around to a flat below the cabin where in the 1930s post and rail sheep pens were built right up against the wall of Dakota sandstone, which forms the back fence of the old pens and the cliff base upon which a modern log cabin sits. Savannah follows me on a loose lead despite thirst, the big dark bay Mustang who wears no halter or rope sticks close to the mare until he smells water and trots up and around above the creek, missing the trail the cows have made through the coyote willows. 400 years ago, that trail would have been carved by bison and wild horses, and Savannah might be a direct descendant of the horses brought to North America in the 1500s by Spanish conquistadors. I would not be a white woman in her 60s, watering her horses in Disappointment Creek, but a young girl nearing a stream that ran cold and clear from the mountains, the rope in my hands, plaited grass. 
The Mustang comes in close to the mare again, and I quicken my steps, the willows tight here with no place to veer off. If the horse crowd me, no longer a young and nimble escaper, I trip over tree roots or rocks or my own boots more often than ever before. My sons tease me about this, and because I have strong bones, I can laugh too each time I pick myself up off the ground. Last week, I stepped in a prairie dog hole as I backed up while closing a wire gate. My right leg dropped in clear to the knee. I tried to jerk it out and finally had to yell at Ken, my elder son, to come help. He trotted across the pasture with the natural grace of a wild horse and yanked me up out of the hole. Geez, Mom, he said. That was all. The next day, I stepped backward and tripped over a sandstone slab, falling not just on my ass, but all the way down, elbows to the ground, bruises purpling my arms and legs for days. Just don't walk backward, Ken said. You can't step backwards anymore, Mom. Later, I will think about this, about which direction I'm going, but for now, falling is still comedy. I have lived my life outside, on ranches and rivers and the sea. Grateful for strong bones and stubbornness, I still ride and rope and hike and row. I'm not ready to be turned out to pasture just yet or confined to a space surrounded by walls. But Ken may be right. Stepping back may no longer be appropriate. The horses and I have pushed through the willows and stand on a bank that high water has scoured down to earth and stone. Savannah slides in the mud and dips her nose into a creek that smells of oil shale and spring as it carries snowmelt and silt downstream. The Mustang passes her and splashes in, his feet planted in the current. Both horses drink deeply despite the tang and salt and sand water humans can't stomach. And then the Mustang whirls and lunges up the bank on the trail he now knows is there. Savannah and I follow, watching him trot in smooth ripples away, neck arched and body gleaming in the afternoon light as he passes the sheep pens and trots on, sniffing the air. He breaks into a run, flinging his head and bucking youth and grace and freedom in his bones. Savannah could pull away to follow him, and I would probably fall on the rocks if she did. But today, I am her leader. I want to hug her. If I were that young girl, I would entwine my fingers in her mane and swing up onto her back. Instead, we ascend slowly through rocks and rabbit brush as the Mustang trots ahead, his big bay muscles constricting my heart. Not pain, the ache of love. Thank you. That's it. No, that's fantastic. That's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. This is Case Johnson, the Little League Podcast. We are recording um, in, in the Banyan One from uh, in the Monarch from Ogden, Utah. Today we are with Cat Wilder, who just read from her book, Desert Chrome, Beyond the book, she's uh, be has been cited in the Best American Essays and nominated for the Pushcart Prize, has appeared in such publications as High Desert Journal, River Teeth, Fort John, Sierra, and many anthologies and Hawaii magazines. Uh, welcome, Kat. Thank you so much for reading for us. Um, my first question, and this one's, I have one about horses that came up to me, that came to me while you were reading, of course. But my first one was, um, how wonderful 
is the word detritus. You know, detritus. <laughs> it's such a, a beautiful word, don't you think? I love that word. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I actually finished um, your book today mm -hmm. just by happenstance, actually, you know. Uh, but it was it's perfect timing, and you have detritus uh -huh. in in the, in the la somewhere in the like the last two pages, right? <laughs> and I was like, yes, yes. So I thought that was kind of a coincidence because obviously I use it, I rely right. on it, yeah, in here, yeah, yeah. What what was what was that decision, or was it a decision, or was this? What I mean, because it is a beautiful word, and I remember the first time I learned the word, and I was like, this you can use this just for so many different things physically and metaphorically right i mean you can just use it for yes. so much um so when going into the book like was this part was this intentional or was it something like you know what this means something different now and i'm just going to start this chapter with it mm, i um i i had to look for the right word i i kind of knew what i wanted to apply it to but i I, and I had, I had a sense of, of what I was aiming for, but I had to look for the word. My mother said, but doesn't that mean like garbage? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. And I said, well, it, it can, but it also in the, in the wild world mm -hmm. and, you know, and even how you used it in, um, in your book, you know, was that the detritus is, is the earth and the, you know, all the things that go into earth becoming soil or dirt becoming soil you know right. it can be the leaves and the and the roots and the whatever gets washed down river and you know so so I was that's how I was using it I I knew that I had these little sections okay well we know in a book that there's going to be backstory I mean there, there right. it's I just can't quite imagine a book all being not backstory all being in the present or future mm -hmm. so i didn't want to like live heavily in the past i wanted to just kind of have these snippets that might give enough backstory for something to ex help explain something and so i had all these pieces i had actually way more than ended up in the book but i had all these pieces that were you know a page or two and i, I needed to find a way to put them in there and and I needed to understand what they what they meant to me, and and that was that they that my past, those things from my past, are the soil upon which I am now living and built. You know, right? Yeah. So and it, it fits so well. It makes so much sense. It's the kind of the gathering or the or the sprinkling of these things of the past to create the detritus, right? I mean, it's really, really, I love, I love that every time I think you wrote it or used it, I just underlined it. And I was like, I love that word. And we're going to talk about that word because it's <laughs> such, it is such a beautiful word. And um, so every time you wrote it, I was like, oh, I know exactly what we're doing here with it. You know, we're, I know where we're going to go. Does that make sense? We're going to go to the past. We're going to go to this other place yeah. that informs the reader about what's happening in the current world of the memoir or the present of the memoir. Um, and I saw, I just thought that was so wonderfully done. Um, and to use that word, which I just fell in love with in 2000, 1999, it was Chris Kokinos. I don't know if you know Chris Kokinos, but he introduced me to that word. And 
I, uh, I've, I've been trying to use it ever since as well as, as, as someone like you and like Chris use it. Uh, I don't, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I just kind of, I'm a mimicker, I guess. Um, no, but it's there. It's there in your book and the, yeah. what, on the last two, one of the last two pages. And I, I felt, I was so, I felt so, um, connected yeah. because there was, and, and Lydia Yuknovich was my oh. mentor at the Institute of American Indian Arts when I oh, was okay, yeah. working on the, the thesis that was the, you know, the really first rough draft of the, you know, that turned into desert chrome. And she, she was like, she just was like, I love that word. She was yeah. all over that word yeah. too. So yeah. I, I, I felt like I, it was, it was the right, the right word. And I think what you're saying is also I wanted to give the reader some forewarning about what was coming that, and, and you learn, I think, as, as the reader, that when you see both the word detritus as well as the italicized font, right, right that, that you know what, you know what's coming. And so, you know, eventually, or hopefully fairly soon, the reader is going to understand that sort of form, right. um, which I think is is important. I like to know. I like sure, to know. What's I do too. Coming. It's really important. I, I've been teaching that memoir class for creative nonfiction for about four years now. And that's what I like to tell students when I bring examples like your book, you know, and I'll say, look what the author is doing. And the author does this early on in the book so that we know there's going to be this shift. We know what we're doing in time. We know we're going to move from the, the memoir present to the memoir past because of this detritus and the, the italics, right? And I think once a reader, in a, it doesn't, when it's done well, like your book, a reader kind of does it, they see it the first time, then after that, it's just natural within the book. And it's so important for, I think, for writers to do that to do that and learn that establishing a establishing form early on really helps the, the flow and the digestion of the book. And that's why, I, that's why I really, really loved it. And it, were, it just, it worked really, really well. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was I, great to read. In my thesis, um, you know, you, there, there was a, a time constraint and I couldn't, I didn't have the time to really experiment with form the way I wanted to. So I sort of, I had an essay and then a detritus and an essay and a detritus. It was very linear and I hated it, but I needed to, you know, turn it in. And so it was, it, it felt really wonderful when the, when Tory House Press, whom you know well, mm -hmm. um, accepted the book for publication and I got to really play around with it and, and go completely non-linear. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. No, that's fabulous. No, that's fabulous. And um, but I, yeah, I do love that word. And it was it was one of those kind of signifiers. Where are we going to go in time? Um, it was really cool. And I'm with you. It's like, especially with memoir, that if we are always just moving forward, I don't think that truly, I don't think that truly mimics, or I don't think that's truly authentic to the human experience in the way that we see the past in the way that we write about the past and because writing about the past and then the writing about the past always triggers something else or it takes us somewhere else or associates us with something else. And that's why I love the movement between different pasts in memoir. I think it's so much more authentic. It's yeah, I agree. My next thought too was um, one, one part of this, one part of the book that really I loved was this discussion of how, the mythology of 
horses in the new world, right? This idea that they weren't here before the Europeans came. Cause I think that's, that's the current mythology, right? Isn't that most people believe that, that horses, that the Europeans brought the first horses over. Well, yeah. I mean, I, as I, I go into that a fair amount in, yeah. in desert crow yeah. and since horses evolved um, on the North American continent, over 55 million years mm -hmm. they are a, a native species right they are indigenous to north america um the i think the the some people want to say that that um they weren't here until the spaniards brought them but that's just not true and that negates a lot of other um philosophies about horses a lot of native right native tribes you know they they have we know that there was a great horse culture but in their myth not mythology but in their um storytelling and going back and back and back horses were always there for for you know certain tribes so it, you know who who's coming in and saying that no they just were completely had gone extinct and then somebody else brought them and so therefore they are not native to this continent. I, it's just not how I see it. Right. I th I thought that was like really really intriguing because I mean I I'm not a I'm I'm not a I don't I'm not a horse person. So you know what I mean. So I don't know. I didn't know that much about it, but I found that horribly intriguing. That you know that there was this that they've been here for so long, and but I think that most of us you know have have always been taught that the Europe, that the Europeans brought them and that was their the horse's first introduction to North America South America and so uh, in those chapters I was always I was underlining because I just thought wow man this is just really really cool to learn about uh with 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 horses but you I mean from what I understand they were they're not they're not so much the horses that we know today correct the ones that were pre-European or do you believe that they were closer than what we believe they are were? I think that they're finding, you know, that they have found that they are very close. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there are, you know, there, there's also the possibility that they didn't go a hundred percent extinct. Mm -hmm. Like there were other mammals that didn't go extinct that, that survived in pockets here and there. And, it's possible that some horses did and that when they were reintroduced that they that there was some mixing of of genes and mm -hmm. blood but we don't know you right know? yeah it's just yeah science is science science is is moves it right. moves and adapts to new information it's not a solid thing all the time yeah yeah it's wonderful it's great though to see that different perspective um, cause I, you know, I just don't think that, I don't think people, I think people are pretty easily, uh, just take in that information and they just say, well, this is the truth. And I love, I love that kind of delving into the, the other side of it, that side of it that says, you know, this, what the truth that you know may not absolutely be the truth. There's, you know, there's so much more out there. Um, so I was wondering too, when it comes to horses is, not being a horse person, like, I mean, my friend Shane Griffiths, I don't know if you know Shane, she's a great writer, um, 
but she's she's she also loves horses. Um, but from your book, being somebody like myself who doesn't live in that world, you know, doesn't live in that the world of these beautiful animals, you know, out on on the ranch, all of that. It's um, for anybody listening. This book is a, just a beautiful, beautiful insight into what it means to love to love these animals, to love these horses and what they mean or what they, they can mean to us spiritually and, and physically and emotionally. And for someone who does, who's not spent a lot of time around horses, very, very little, um, but you are intrigued by it, uh, this is a book for you. But it's also a book of growth and spirit and life and, and honesty and authenticity. So if you're looking for a memoir, uh, this book is is for you. Um, obviously Colorado thought so for the Colorado book award. So, you know, that that's good that way too. Um, but you've just, you've just recorded the, the audiobook, correct? Yes, I did. I mean, it took a while. It, it, it was a, a learning curve, <laughs> right. another learning curve. <laughs> right. So did you, it, did it you took... do the voice? Did you read it for yourself? Yes. Oh okay. yes, yeah. absolutely. It was, uh, I, I I wouldn't have wanted to do it if anybody else read it. Mm-hmm. I mean it, it's it, it's just you know, I mean you know, you're a writer. You're you're closer to the material than anybody, right? And and be, partly because of the detritus sections and how yeah. personal some of those are right. are. I di- I just it had it, it had to be me. <laughs> so right. fortunately, um Kirsten our mm-hmm. publisher was was supportive of that, you mm-hmm. know, completely. And, and so that's what we did. And it was, you know, it was, I was doing it out at the cabin. So I'm talking about the cabin. I, I kind of go back and forth between two and sometimes three places mm-hmm. in my, in my life. I'm out in Disappointment Valley often and, and part of the year living there pretty much full time. And then also at the ranch headquarters in Dolores. So I set it up. Uh, to record out there in disappointment um, because there are fewer distractions and the grandkids aren't running and you know whatever but I I did some stupid things like I had to re-record about 14 chapters Uh because I didn't push a button or push the wrong button or you know it was I think the the tech guys were very patient and probably pretty frustrated with me but we managed we did it so it's out there it's available through Pretty much anywhere you yeah. get audiobooks. Yeah. Are you excited about it? I'm excited. I, yeah. I have been afraid to listen to it. Sure. Because yeah. I, I, and I don't know, you know, as a writer, I, I don't, I don't often like to read some, my published stuff because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to find things I would change. You know, right. I'm going to tweak, you know, I want, I want to fix things. I'm going to find edits that didn't get made or, you know, errors that didn't get caught. So I've been, I've been skeptical uh, and hesitant, but my mother, so my, my mother, she's 89 Mm -hmm. and she, um, I hope it's, she'll probably hear this. So mother, I (laughs) hope it's okay that I say this, (laughs) but she has macular degeneration. She was able to read several drafts of the book um, as, you know, as, as I went along. So she was very familiar with the material, but she can't, she's not able to read this print copy you oh. know and so um 
she wanted she wanted the audiobook you know she was she was very uh supportive and helpful in in getting that done and so she she has it and she <laughs> it's cute you know she if she wants to hear me she just can click and listen right. to me for a while and then turn me off and you know and she says it's a real comfort to her so that oh, that's, that's, that was a yeah, I didn't. Ex- I didn't yeah, think about that. That's a gr- that. yeah. That's I mean, that's a that's a huge win in itself, isn't it? That's just a wonderful part of it in itself. Um, well, yeah. I, I have. A, I'm going to download it. I'm going to. I'm excited to listen to it because you know. And the, and the crazy part, thing about Audible or audiobooks is, a lot of people just don't have time to sit down with the printed copy, but they can listen on. Like I listen to audiobooks while I'm driving because I like to consume as much as I can while I'm driving or while I'm walking or while I'm cooking dinner, I'll put the audiobook audiobooks on so that I can, you know, just be with words. And so I'm excited to listen to you read it. And I'm sure it's absolutely fabulous. So how, what was your process with it? So did you record out there and then send it to send it to text? Yeah. Yes. I had, they sent me a microphone and a, um well i think the microphone was the main piece of equipment that i didn't have yeah and that and i just took that up to my computer and oh and headphones you know like you're right you're wearing i and then and so it recorded onto my computer and then i would i would do a, a zoom session with um one of the two it oh i i was gonna try to remember the company they were really wonderful but i don't remember the name right now i'm sorry but they, so then we would, you know, download the files onto their computer so that they could edit. And they did, they edited out, a, not just, not just mistakes, you know, like you're reading, like I just was reading and I, and I messed it up a right. couple of times. Yeah. Like we, we do that, but they also took out all the, the cuss words that weren't in the print you know that like i would get so frustrated and i would just cuss and then i would laugh and i would be talking to them going excuse me guys you know yeah can you so they, yeah and the, yeah they they cleaned that up i'm sure i mean like i said i haven't listened to it but i think that was the main a main thing was that they would clean up uh my language yeah <laughs> my language well I, underst- I understand that and well brandon actually has this really good idea of having Authors listen to their audiobook and comment as they listen, as like a like a oh, as like a podcast. Like a yeah, like you're like critiquing your own stuff, and like so you'd be like, "Holy shit, that was awful! What the, what was I doing right there?" You know, like you know, and I think I think it's a brilliant idea uh, just to say, "Well, oh my God, I, I read that." <laughs> horribly horribly wrong what was going what is going on with this i think i think it's great and so brandon's actually he just recorded my audiobook um oh really yeah and so he's editing it now so i'm really intrigued by your experience with it um yeah so i didn't read it i didn't read it i you didn't read it so so who um, who who read it so brandon my, did no my friend no. i had uh two friends who are really good voices my friend Mark Garcia and my other friend Dory Guerra. And so they were able to really jump into the Spanish and really jump into the, so they would like, Mark would read John and Dory would read, Dory would read Della. And so um, he's stumbling through the editing as we go. Um, but, yeah. but, and, and it's a shame we didn't have Case read, but, but to be honest, it was nice to have um, 
the authenticity of the voices. Yeah. They, they yeah. both are mm-hmm. a little closer to the Spanish speaking, right. I think. Yeah. And so they were able to to roll the R's like you should and, mm-hmm. and make everything. And it was great because there's a lot of those traditional words that you used in, in your text. And so mm-hmm. I didn't know. I don't know if you came across that cat where uh, there was any any words that you had to, to change or whatever while you were reading it um, to sort of match time or anything or or, or is that not an issue in your book? Um, they, there were things that they, that, um, that Phil found, he sent me a, you know, a punch list, things that I had to re-record. Yeah, just things, some, some words, like I had to look up the pronunciation because I couldn't, uh, I just could, and then I wouldn't remember and I would write it down and like mark it so that I would get the pronunciation right. And then I would come to the word and I would mess it up and. And then I've heard other people use words that I said, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh. So there were things, things like that. And then um, he, he did have to, yes, I think speed up the text maybe and slow it down, you know, Mm -hmm. to to try to make it even. The, The thing about recording over, it really was over several months, especially because I badly messed up. Um, And so, you know, when you're, for me, when I'm reading, I, I get into a, to a mood, to a zone, to a voice, to a something. And if, you know, if I, if I was recording last week and then this week I'm doing it again, it might not match. And so yeah. they had to, they had to work on that and, and make that smooth. And again, I, I'm not sure. So case, if you do listen to it, yeah, be it, let me know what you think. I will. <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll call you. I'll just, now that we talk on the phone daily, I mean, we talked yesterday. We're talking. We're talking today. So you know, we 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 you know we're we're just friends, and we just chat daily. Tomorrow we're going to talk about something else when I start the audiobook, and I'm um, going to ask you know, and just like your mom, I'm say, well, and I want to you know hear Cat's voice. I'm just going to turn on the audiobook, and then when I'm done with her, I'm just I'll just click it and say okay i'm good to go um um, but uh no i'm really excited about it i think that a lot of people i've heard a lot of people with with my book say i haven't read it i just don't have time is there an audiobook right is there an audiobook and and i think that's i'm excited about it brandon's excited about it so brandon's excited about it i'm excited because he makes me nervous like you you know like if he he doesn't think it sounds good then we got to do this whole thing again i'm gonna tell you yeah, so I ask him all the well, time, "What'd you think?" And he—I think he lies to me, but we'll see. <laughs> I <laughs> well, would I'm never. I'm excited. I'm—I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear to hear yours. It makes you know a lot of sense because you have the two main characters, and mm-hmm. and and they go—they alternate, they go back and forth, and and so that to have a, a woman reading as well as a man reading that just sounds great. Yeah. So when, I will get it. Well, my so bu- is the, it, sorry. Is that through also through Tory House Press then? Um, no, we're going to re- we're going to launch this under Banyan, uh, because Tory house, uh, just under the contract, we kept my audio rights. So, oh, you did. Yeah. See, I did. Yeah. But I mean, of course it'll be, it'll be Tory house, Well, you would. but the production company will be Banyan. Right. Yeah. So it'll be, yeah. Yeah. Tory house as the publisher and Banyan as the production side of it. Um, yeah. And so, well, the reason that I did it though, is, um, my friend Mark has gone through a really I wasn't even thinking about it, but he's had a really hard year and we had a, we had a few drinks and he said, Case, you know, I want to re, I want to do your audiobook." 
And I wasn't even thinking about it. And, and I said, okay, you know, I said, I thought it was, I was, I would do it. And Mark said, well, yeah, but you're only half Mexican. So you can't, you, <laughs> you, you, yeah. so, so I said, okay, you got it. You're in, you, you got this. So, and that was his thing. He just said, that's it. So we, and I said, okay, well, we got to get somebody else like, you know, who, who's not half, half, who's not half either. So, you know, we, so it worked out really, really well. Um, um, but he, I, he, it's something that uh, he was really excited about, and he does. He did a really good job. I hope that he actually does other people's books because because he does. He's that. actually a really good reader. He's a really good reader. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. excited. Yeah. How was working with Lydia? I've heard really, really good things. Oh, well, I love Lydia. Yeah. I'm. I, yeah. You know, I mean, she's 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 amazing. She's brilliant. She's um, completely accessible. Well, not so much, not now that I'm not her student because she's, the fame and glory has just, you know, sort of washed her away. I she mean, is famous these she, days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she, which is, you know, which is fine. She, right. But um, but she was great to work with. Yeah. Um, she, I had her for a year. I mean, I was, you know, it was a two-year program. And so I actually had Linda Hogan. Oh, really? I, I yes. love her work. I yes. love her work, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I totally scored. I had Linda yeah. Hogan and Chip, oh, you did really. You, you Lydia. did, yeah, yeah. You, I did, yeah, you did. <laughs> there's no, there's absolutely no question. Those, yeah, Linda, Linda. I, I mean, I studied her in my undergrad and was loved her work then. And Lydia is actually a really good friend with my friend Sean, and I've just heard just amazing things. Well, I mean, I know how good of a writer she is. Um, yes, right. But I've just heard amazing things about her as a as a person and as a teacher and as a, as a mentor. Yeah. She's, she's, she's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. I mean, she's an amazing writer, of course. And then, you know, editor, um, mentor support, so supportive and, and helping me, you know, work through the, the stuck areas and helping me see things from a different, um, angle. And then, you know, and then as in a, in a workshops, because we, you know, also took workshops from, from her, um, you know, got, she doesn't just let you coast on the top layer, you know, yeah. she's going to get you down and then down and then down, you know, into the hard stuff. And so some of those detritus are from like almost still word from word for word from her yeah. writing workshops. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. She, she's, yeah. I love her writing. I'm glad she's doing so well. Yes. Yeah, she's a voice that 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 we need to do well. I think you know. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, I've been lucky too, um, but not Linda Hogan, Lydia Yuknovich, lucky. Um, but you know, but the only, there's only there's only a few of them, you know. I guess. What are you What are you writing now? I mean, what are you What are you working on now? What's the writing life for you these days? I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have three. <laughs> How, is that a good answer? <laughs> yeah, I'm writing. That's um, for writers. I, that's the perfect answer. <laughs> we get it. That's like that's a full answer right there. Yeah, it really is. I I have an essay collection that's circulating. Mm. Um, it's you know, essay collections are hard. Essays are a hard sell. They so are, yeah. anyway, but I still have it and I'm it's out it's out there and we'll see what happens. What's um, what's your what's your scope on it? What's your what's the aboutness of this collection? Uh it's 
you know, I, I struggled with form with that too, because yeah. I really, I just don't like to go linear, but I realized I had to, I had to, I had to go chronologically because it, it's not, um, there are essays about that, that, that kind of follow my, my life. Not, it's not, it's not a memoir, but I write personal essays. So right. it's, you know, it's still, I'm sorry, but I'm still part of it. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's, there are several essays about Hawaii and, and living in Hawaii and sailing on the, the double hulled voyaging canoes and, and paddling. And, you know, so there's, there's a, a chunk about that and there's, so, so it's okay. Let me just back up a little bit. Someone asked me, I think it was Becca Lawton who asked me um, when she was interviewing me about what I'm, what I had to leave out of desert Chrome. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot in desert Chrome. I mean, there's just a, a lot of different parts of my life that made it in and the parts that didn't make it in, in the, in the, in the way, let's see they they're more important to me than they may show in desert chrome and that's right. hawaii and um and the river and so you know she she said what did what did you kind of have to what did you not include and that was i there is hawaii stuff as you know but not like not like my life there so i so i looked at that and i was pulling forth material from those two parts of my life as well as other things so anyway it's just it's just essays um <laughs> no they're not just <laughs> essays. well i'm sure you know i know that kirsten's gonna listen to this and so oh. <laughs> you know um don't but, get me in trouble no well she turned down my collection of essays too so we're in this together oh really yeah 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 Wait, so we're, she did? yeah they so did? We're, we're in this together so so i don't even know what i'm gonna do with it i don't i have no idea it's just growing and growing and none of it feels complete Ooh. not one essay feels like it's ready to go because at this point I should be shopping out, and Cat knows this. At this point I should be shopping out two or three essays that are complete, because it's going to take six or seven months to publish them, and then by that time hopefully I have the book done, and then there's some momentum. Right. But I don't have one it's that I can even bit. shop out right now. They're just like blah, 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 blah. right. That's how. That's really how they feel right now. It's so hard. They. It's you just yes you know you just keep at it. You just keep at it. Yeah. Just cap it. Yeah. So, so I also have a novel mm -hmm. that is, uh, I have a, oh, I have several novels, you know, in yeah, the drawer. I've got but, about um, 12 or Actually, myself, they're in yeah. the, they're, <laughs> they're in the, the fireplace, the, the, the paper pile to start my burning stuff. That's right. where most yeah, of my, yeah, same, my same. I've got are. a bunch of those. <laughs> yeah. But I do have, I do have a novel also about, it's also about Mustangs, hmm. um, some of the same, some of the same issues, but because it's, you know, you write novels. It's so fun. It is fun. I, I just, it, yeah. It's freeing. Yeah. It's freeing. And, and so I'm, I, I, those characters are having a really good time. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and then I, and then there's also a more serious book in the works that's about cattle because that I'm, a, you know, I run cattle with my son my other son and daughter-in-law and grandkids, we all help and work together. And But so, you know, I'm a rancher too. And so there's that book that's in the works. So I, I'm, I just kind of go like around 
and I, deadlines really help me. So mm -hmm. if I have a deadline and maybe that's what you need is deadlines for your essays, you know, yeah. like, like yeah. you know, you're going to submit here. And so you have to finish one, right? get it polished, you know, but, but that's what I do. So I work from, from deadline to deadline and, and that, that helps me move the writing up on the priority list for every day, because we have horses and cows and all these animals that require a lot of time yeah. and attention. I mean, that's my day job. And, and so I sneak the writing in, you know, early in the morning and late at night. But if there's a big deadline, it's like, I have to go, okay, I have to stop here and do this. And that yeah. really helps. So I'm, uh, yeah. So I have those, those are the three books. Yeah. Novels are fun though, aren't they? I mean, yes. I mean, I, I don't know. I maybe what is it that makes me feel like I have to write essays? You know, that's my question. Like, <laughs> why do I keep doing this? Um, maybe it's for myself. I don't know what it is, but once I get going on a novel, man, I can finish a novel. I can finish a novel. And that's but, funny. But, but with the essays, I'm like, why? But I, it's like something in me that's like, I'm just devoted to them. And I don't, I'm like, do I really have to finish this collection? Do I, do I, nobody's waiting for it. You know, nobody's wondering when this, <laughs> if Kate right, Johnson's going to write another essay collection. So, you know, I, right. mean, I mean, I've got, oh, yay. yeah, yeah, I know. It's like, nobody's, <laughs> nobody's at home, like, you know, tooth and nail, like, well, gosh, I wish Case's essay collection would, you know, I mean, it's, uh, why do I put myself through essays? But I do. And I just, I don't know. It's good. I'm glad that you do. <laughs> and I will buy, I will buy your essay collection, the first one and the next one. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but now don't, don't you have a, you do have a contract with Tory House yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah, 2024. Novel. Yep. Yeah. For another novel. Um, and it fits really That's well. That's very in, exciting. It's so exciting. I am so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love working with Tory House for Wild Grasses. I'm excited for the new contract. Uh, that book's, in copy editing so it's almost ready to it go. Is. yeah it's it's almost ready to go i worked with kirsten on the developmental side and it was wonderful i mean so yeah i'm excited about that um yeah but what so but so that's the real question like what if i keep getting novel contracts why am i writing all these essays it's like <laughs> <laughs> why don't i just start I, I writing novels you know i don't i don't know that i am qualified or maybe brandon's not qualified either Ooh. to actually take that on yeah. <laughs> you might need to ask that question of somebody professional i know yeah. <laughs> well i do know didn't you wasn't some of your first published work essays yeah i would say so maybe there's just like well, a love affair there i have with, never yeah. published anything fiction besides the novel i have 70 something essays in in journals and magazines um <laughs> Um, and then I wrote a novel, <laughs> you know, it was like, but the novel is, is so much fun to write novels. It's it really, yeah. once you get that groove, I've got two starts right now and I don't have a groove one again that I really like, it's called the up, uptown bar. <laughs> this one's great. Brandon the this multiple <laughs> times. Yeah. And I actually have 8,000 words written. It's about this small bar, this small town in rural Kansas. You know, the ones, the towns that just have the town square. And everything revolves around it, but they're all they are all ghost towns now. They're all just boarded up and everything because every one of those towns was a farming town or a ranching town, 
and then Walmart went into one town 15 minutes away from all of them. And so those Walmarts just go in and they just, all the small shops dry up, just kills a small town. Um, so it's about one of those towns and there's been, the, so there's this bar, it's called the Uptown Bar in one of those towns. The only thing still not boarded up. And then somebody else <laughs> wants to open another bar called the Up Uptown Bar. And it's, and there's this, this huge controversy. It's just, <laughs> you know, the, the Uptown Bar has been there for like oh 50 God. years and yeah. somebody opens the Up Uptown Bar right next door to it. And it's like, so, I love this book idea. And my agent, I've talked to her about it multiple times. She's like, I don't know. I don't know about this book. I'm like, but I really like the characters. It's this guy, his last name's Duggart, and he kills this other guy who starts the Uptown Bar, and everybody's... <laughs> anyway, yeah, the up, Uptown Bar's way better than the Uptown it Bar. It is so much better. Yeah. They serve something besides beer and peanuts. They serve, like, really watered-down bad martinis because they don't know how to make them in that town. Oh, Anyways, so... This is great. <laughs> So that's where I'm. I'm at. I think uh, I'm thinking of Hot Fuzz. You ever watch the movie Hot? Oh, Fuzz? Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. Some British. That's up uptown bar. It strikes me some British humor. Yeah, up, uptown bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry about the <laughs> anyway, tangent. There. I know. Sorry for the tangent. But you asked. You. I think you asked. I don't know if you asked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. But that's, that's not the one that that. I mean, that's. This is still in the idea stage. This is Troy the idea House. stage. Yeah. What's it? Tell me a little bit about the one that Tory House is doing. So I, so this book, I love this book. Um, this was actually the most fun I've ever had writing a book. It's about this young boy who is from the Yucatan, and he comes here, and he moves not to anywhere else in Utah, but he moves to Provo, Utah, in the 1990s, which is very, very LDS, right? It's very. And he finds himself out as this like complete fish out of water. Um, and so, yeah, it's, re- it's actually, it's, a- it's actually really, really funny. It's actually a really funny book, but it really delves into um, dreamers and DACA and how, mm-hmm. how people um, can come to this country and just be such, such benefits to our country. You know, they can be such just, gifts to our country and know as immigrants and i love it because this young boy is me and the late the his he ends up living with his great aunt who is again my grandma in personality (laughs) Uh, she cusses she swears she's she's my grandma again she's my grandma cordova and um lives with her and in provo and they kind of become friends you know and but it it that's the 1990 story that the and then it's her story in 1923 that actually kind of shows her move into the states and this crazy kind of new 1923 1924 uh, national immigration law and how that affected people coming to the states at the time and that really ties into so my mom was actually born in a track house from the railroad outside of Elko, Nevada, because my, my grandpa Cordova, they were, he was a railroader and they lived in those track houses during the 1930s and 40s. And so it actually delves into that life of how the, you know, the building of the railroad through, through Colorado, you know, Trinidad 
and that's because that's where my family's from, and then up up to Elko, and then eventually to Ogden or Utah, and that kind of like history of the building of the railroad, and then kind of shutting off the borders and that kind of. So it delves into the, all that in the 1920s, and then into life in the 1990s. Uh, but it actually has a lot of really good humor. Um, but it does, I think it really tackles this idea of DACA and the importance of dream, the dream act and, and, and how, how well that I, th- I think that can, you know, just help our country, um, in so many different ways. So yeah. Okay. There's all that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, a lot of it is just right out on the salt flats. It's like based on those, okay, we're talking more about me right now in this last part of this podcast. <laughs> uh, this is not the way it's supposed to be cat. Uh, I, you know, I'll call you tomorrow because we talk every day and we'll talk about this. Um, but, but it really goes into like how transient the railroad workers were and they had those, uh, what are they called? The boxcar homes in the 1920s mm-hmm. and thirties, which were really, really, really crazy. So they would have boxcar towns. And I, I, I really, I really dug into that, which I thought was, was super, super cool. So anyways, there's that. Don't ask me more questions. This is about you. Um, um, <laughs> But Brandon's giving me the, we've been doing this for an hour. So Yeah, uh, I got to, I actually got to go pick up my daughter. Oh, yeah. She's at dance. Oh, oh at dance, yeah. I got to go home and cook some cook some chicken. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a great chat, and I'm excited to download the the uh, Audible book tomorrow. Um, This is uh, Cat Wilder's The uh, Desert Chrome, Water, A Woman, and Wild Horses in the West. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Case Johnston. It's the Literally Podcast. We're recording from Banyan One in the Monarch in Ogden, Utah, on historic 25th Street. And uh, again, thank you so much. And I'm going to ask Brandon to edit all out of all the stuff about my show. (laughs) (laughs) He won't do that. But thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you both for doing this. Yeah. Pick up this book. If you're listening, pick up the book. It's really worth it. I wanted to talk about the epilogue just briefly, and I'm not, then I'm going to shut it down. But the epilogue is like this feeling of just when we need nature, when we need to put our feet in the dirt to become whole. That's the way I took it. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's just so real and so important. So. Um, well, it's too bad I don't have time to read it. I know, yeah, because it really, really, <laughs> I guess it is. It is it's, just it's in the it's, it's in the book. In the, um, it's the in, audio book. Oh, good, yeah. And it just <laughs> really is. It's like how being out there and putting our feet and our toes and being in the natural world and just kind of that's where our center. That's a form center. of that's a form of biohacking. Take your shoes off. Yeah. Put your feet on the yep, grass. Yep. Yeah. It, it does wonders for your it life. It does wonders. Yeah. So, well, thank you again, Kat. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks, yeah. Kat. It's nice meeting you. All right. Talk yeah, to- you too. We'll talk tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See ya. Bye bye.